Coming up this half hour, have you done your taxes yet? If you have a guard dog, a guide dog, certain service animals, or a mouser at your place of business, or you foster pets that are awaiting adoption, you may be able to deduct some expenses associated with them on your tax return. We'll have a Don't Eat That featured in this episode, and we'll find out who pet parents turn to when their pets need legal representation. We'll start with this. Five Pet-Related Tax Write-Offs by Kay Bell, December 17, 2019, on bankrate.com. It's not unusual for pet owners to consider their domesticated animals as members of the family. The IRS disagrees. That's why the tax man won't let you claim your dog, cat, guinea pig, or whatever critter brightens up your life as a dependent. Market research by the American Pet Products Association found that U.S. pet owners spend a record-breaking $72.56 billion on their animals in 2018. Many of those dollars go each year to veterinarians, but again, the IRS says no at tax time. You generally can't count those bills as itemized medical deductions. However, the Internal Revenue Code does allow a few instances where you can write off some pet costs. When you put a pet to work, you may be able to deduct business expenses. And if your love for animals translates philanthropically, you can probably write that off too. Here's a closer look at these five pet-related tax write-offs. First, medical deduction. Because of the higher standard deduction created by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, medical expenses have gotten harder to claim. For the 2019 tax year, your health care costs must exceed 10% of your adjusted gross income. For the 2017 and 2018 tax year, this threshold was lowered to 7.5% of AGI. It sure would be nice if you could add in your furry pet's veterinary charges. Sorry, that's not going to happen. But the IRS does say in Publication 502 that if you need a guide dog to compensate for your reduced vision or hearing, you can include the costs of buying training and maintaining the animal in medical expenses. In general, this includes such things as food, grooming, and veterinary care that is necessary to make sure the animal is healthy enough to perform its assistance duties. If you've been diagnosed with a physical or mental condition that benefits from the attention of a trained therapy animal, those costs also count as medical expense. Note, however, this doesn't cover your loving cat when he curls up in your lap. The animal must be trained or certified as treatment for a diagnosed illness or condition for the IRS to approve the deduction. Next is business animals. That beware of dog sign in your business's window is no idle threat. Break-ins have stopped since you set up a place for your Rottweiler to stay overnight. In this case, the IRS would likely be amenable to business deduction claims of the animal's work-related expenses. Standard business deduction rules still apply, notably that the cost of keeping an animal on work premises is ordinary and necessary in your line of business. Once you show that, the dollars spent each year keeping your pooch in good guard condition, food, vet bills, and training would be deductible as a business expense. 
As with all deductions, be prepared to provide full and accurate records of your animal's hours on the job. You'll also find your tax claim more acceptable when you demonstrate how the animal protects your livelihood's inventory. Keep in mind, too, that your claims carry more weight when your pet is a breed that's typically used for such jobs. So, even though your chihuahua has a loud bark, your tax claim is more credible if your guard dog is a German Shepherd, Doberman, Pinscher, or a similar imposing breed. Woof! Three, change hobby to for-profit business. You posted some exceptionally cute dog videos on YouTube and managed to attract a following along with some ad revenues. You might consider this a hobby, but hobby expenses are no longer deductible thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Before the tax law went into effect, you could deduct your hobby's expenses to offset any hobby earnings. However, those expenses were considered a miscellaneous deduction, which could only be used if they exceeded 2% of your adjusted gross income. But with the disappearance of miscellaneous deductions, hobby expenses are no longer deductible. However, if you turn your fun pastime into a for-profit business, you can deduct your legitimate business expenses even if the business is often a money loser. Generally, to escape unwanted attention from the IRS, your business earnings should exceed expenses for three out of five years. But even if they don't, you can prove that you're trying to make a go of your business by keeping good records, researching profit-making opportunities, having expertise in the area, or hiring an expert, spending enough time at it to justify it as a business activity, showing a track record of success in other ventures, and creating large profits from time to time and attributing losses to unusual events. Number four, charitable deductions. You got your cat from a shelter where she was dropped off by a previous owner who couldn't care for her any longer. If no one had adopted her, she might have faced euthanasia. Such rescue animals hold a special place in your heart. And besides donating to these animal shelter nonprofits, you also volunteer your time. Be sure to keep track of your pet protection expenses. They could count as a charitable donation. Reimbursed expenses for fostering a pet for an IRS-qualified 501c3 adoption organization can be deducted. This includes the usual costs for pet food, supplies, and veterinary bills. You can also deduct 14 cents per mile for trips made to further the shelter's work. Add up the costs along with direct donations to a rescue group and itemize them under the charity section of Schedule A. Of course, you first have to determine if your itemized deductions exceed the standard deduction amount before deciding to itemize. Make sure, though, that you keep good records. In 2011, an Oakland, California woman won a tax court judgment that allowed her to claim many cat rescue expenses on her 2004 tax return, including the usual care costs, a portion of her utility bills, and even such things as paper towels and garbage bags. But her $12,068 deduction was reduced because she didn't have all the related receipts. 
especially for items costing $250 or more. She also lacked a valid letter from the feline charity acknowledging her volunteer work. Number five, pet trusts. Pets sometimes live longer than their owners. Many pet owners include their pets in their wills. Others opt to establish trusts for their pet's care. Texas Tech University School of Law professor Jerry W. Byer specializes in estates, wills, and trusts since he wrote his first legal article on pet trust 18 years ago. Bayer has seen the field go from an obscure legal move that very few folks talked about to a pretty well-accepted part of estate planning. All states have laws that allow for pet trusts, says Bayer. You don't have to be wealthy to set up a pet trust. Bayer does advise, though, working with an attorney who specializes in these types of legal final wishes. And note that a trust doesn't mean zero tax concerns. Bayer says that depending on how the trust is structured, the responsible tax party could be the pet owner in the case of a living trust, the trust beneficiary, who typically is the pet's caregiver, or the trust itself. Still, a trust is a dependable way to ensure your pet gets the care you want the animal to have after you're gone. You get certainty, says Bayer. Here's some information on deductions you might be able to take on service animals with a little tongue-in-cheek from blog.taxact.com. Service animals and taxes. What counts and what doesn't? Animals do more than warm our hearts. They're road trip buddies, winter lap warmers, and sometimes legitimate treatments for medical conditions. According to the IRS, if you have a service animal primarily for medical care to alleviate a mental defect or illness and can establish that your companion qualifies, you could claim their expenses on your taxes. So how do you prove your horse is therapy for MS or that petting your cat is a mood stabilizer? The IRS has guardrails to help classify which animals count. Since claims are approved on a case-by-case -case basis, your pet doesn't need to check every box to qualify. Satisfying just one or two requirements is sometimes proof enough that your pet is a support animal. Taxpayer's motive or purpose for making the expenditure. Words like motive and purpose drive home that this deduction is highly personal. If the IRS agrees your motive was to treat a mental or physical medical need, then your emotional support squirrel is a valid expense. If they don't, then it isn't. If a physician has diagnosed a medical condition and recommended an animal as treatment or mitigation, a simple doctor's note unlocks many medical deductions. If your therapist suggested a companion animal to soothe your bouts of anxiety and you went out and bought one, then yes, the emotional support pet counts. Cover your bases, get it in writing. The IRS loves documentation. Links between the treatment and the illness. Is there an established history of others with your condition using pets for similar treatment? Have published studies praised squirrels as pocket-sized treatments for depression? Are there connections that unite your underlying medical issue with your decision to get your pet? Excellent. Have those ready to back up your claim. Effectiveness of the treatment. Have you seen improvement in or relief from the condition you've been treating? 
Is the pet responsible for this positive shift? That's great news. Any records detailing this improvement can help bolster your case. For example, kept a journal on your physical therapy progress? Does your fur buddy play a supporting role in your journey? That's effectiveness of treatment. Proximity in time to the onset or recurrence of a disease. It doesn't seem fair. You've had your cat since childhood. Of course, it helps relieve your adult anxiety, right? Well, here's the thing. A treatment is typically a response to a problem. If you developed a condition or were injured and acquired a support animal to help you cope, that connects the situation with the treatment. What can you write off? Does your pet qualify? Great! You can write off nearly all pet-centric expenses, including food, grooming, training, purchase price, vet bills, boarding, and other miscellaneous costs. Will deducting service pet costs make financial sense for you? To deduct costs associated with a service pet, you must itemize, and that means turning down the standard deduction. Recently, the standard deduction increased greatly, making it the more beneficial option for most filers. If you gain from itemizing, meaning your itemized deductions are greater than the standard, review your total medical costs, including your service pet. In order to list medical expenses on your taxes, they must exceed 7.5% of your adjusted gross income, AGI. Additional resources. What's AGI? Adjusted gross income is your gross income minus any adjustments, like contributions to a traditional IRA and student loan interest. It will never be bigger than your gross income. Where do you enter service pet deductions on your tax return? Service pets fall under medical expenses. That's Schedule A on Form 1040. And now for the portion of the program I like to call don't eat that. Can dogs eat onions? Sassafras Lowry, in the March 4th, 2021 issue of Dogster, explains in this article titled, So, Your Dog Ate Onions. Here's what to know. What are your next steps if your dog ate onions? The facts about onions and dogs are a little complicated. Let's find out more. Onions are unique members of the root vegetable family because they like garlic, are bulbs and do not grow as deeply as other root vegetables. Onions come in white, yellow, and red bulbs, as well as chives and leeks, and are a common flavorful addition to meals and side dishes, served both cooked and raw. They help bring flavor to many of our favorite dishes, but can dogs eat onions? If your dog ate onions, what do you do? First, what to know about dogs and onions? We spoke with Emmy Award-winning veterinarian Dr. Jeff Werber to learn more about how dangerous onions are for our dogs. Dr. Jeff explains, Traditionally, we have always recommended avoiding raw onions and raw garlic because of a type of toxin that can have a negative effect on red blood cells. The toxic ingredient is called N-propyl disulfate, which is an oxidant that can do oxidant damage to red blood cells. Well, you shouldn't give your dog a bowl of onions to snack on. Onions aren't healthy for dogs, but unlike grapes, where even a small amount can be toxic, onion toxicity depends on how much of an onion a dog consumes. 
Embrace Pet Insurance Claims Manager Rachel Hinder, RVT, explains that typically if a dog ingests only a small amount of onion, it should not cause any problems. However, she did caution that the size of the dog also matters. Small pieces of onions are a lot bigger problem for a tiny three-pound Yorkie than a 200-pound Great Dane. One of the dangers of onions in dogs is that the toxins can build up in their system, meaning that they could slowly be reaching a point where an onion exposure could get them sick, or that there might be what Dr. Werber calls a cumulative effect. To be safe, avoid onions and garlic, Dr. Werber suggests. Consuming onions can lead to dogs developing a condition called hemolytic anemia. This condition impacts or destroys a dog's red blood cells, leaving dogs without enough of them for healthy functioning. Severe onion poisoning in dogs can be fatal. What about cooked onions? Although onions might not be as toxic to our dogs as grapes or xylitol, Avoid giving onions to your dog regardless of if they are raw or cooked. Cooking onions doesn't have an impact on the safety of onions, and cooked onions are still poisonous to dogs because of their toxic effect on a dog's red blood cells. All forms of onion can be toxic to dogs, whether powdered, dried, fresh, or cooked. What about broth cooked with onions? If you're cooking for your dog, or treating your dog to some snacks from your plate. Avoid sharing any food with your dog that has been cooked with onions, including if you use onions in your broth. Hinder advises that although a small amount of onion is unlikely to cause problems, it is safer to avoid altogether. Similarly, if you are purchasing a pre-made broth, read the labels on the broth and select one that doesn't include onions. Hinder encourages dog guardians to also look for onion powder as an ingredient in pre-made foods and avoid using them in any recipes you will be sharing with your dog because it's made up of dried and ground onions and can be harmful to your dog. No matter if you are using the onion's juice, flesh, or even leaves, all parts of the onions will cause issues with dogs. Do not cook something with onions for your dog or even onion powder. What should you do if your dog ate onions? To be safe, keep all onions and all products containing onions away from your dogs. But what happens if you're cooking and you drop a slice of onion on the floor or a friend shares a bite of their lunch with your dog and it includes onion? While we don't want our dogs eating onions, having a bite of something with onion isn't likely to make your dog sick. Your dog probably would not eat enough to cause a real problem because dogs typically don't like the taste. Dr. Werber says, if you think your dog ate onions in large quantities, or if your dog seems like he isn't feeling well, Dr. Werber suggests seeking immediate veterinary care. Your veterinarian will be able to evaluate your dog and determine if any treatment is necessary. Symptoms of onion toxicity are symptoms of anemia. When your dog has low red blood cells, look for decreased appetite, weakness, lethargy, and pale gums. The ASPCA's Animal Poison Control site, ASPCA.org forward slash Animal Poison Control, also says that clinical signs include vomiting, panting, and high heart rate. If you see any of these symptoms, take your dog immediately to your veterinarian. And finally, does your cat need a lawyer?
Hire an attorney who specializes in animal law to speak for her by Mary Schwager in the March 2nd, 2021 issue of Catster. Eric A. says after his cat suffered severe complications during routine surgery, he and his husband called a lawyer. We want justice, Eric says. Anne S. says after her kitten got injured at a neighbor's house, she called a lawyer. It felt good calling so somebody could handle this for me, she says. Paula K. says after her cat jumped out an animal hospital's window, she called a lawyer. I didn't know how to have my voice heard, she says. Stephen W. says after his ex demanded custody of the cats, he called a lawyer. My colleague said, I really think you're going to need a pet lawyer, Stephen says. A pet lawyer? Yep. We found the number of attorneys specializing in helping four-legged family members are growing, and so is animal law. Attorney Jeremy Cohen, who started the firm Boston Dog Lawyers, with the motto, it's time to bark back, may soon have to consider adding a catchy cat slogan to his marquee. I'd say probably 20% of our calls are now cat owners, Jeremy says. I have found judges are certainly taking the cases seriously. Feline feuds. Eric, Ann, Paula, and Stephen all hired Jeremy to represent them in their ongoing legal fights. Eric says his six-year-old cat went into cardiac arrest during a teeth cleaning, but the vet revived her using CPR. It was crazy, Eric says. He picked up his cat and raced her to the emergency room. She was put on a ventilator, but was in terrible shape. He and his husband made the gut-wrenching decision to let her go. They are now suing for malpractice. We are devastated, Eric says. Anne says a neighbor invited her kitten over to play, and when she picked him up, his leg was broken. He needed surgery, Anne says. It was so upsetting. She is demanding the neighbor help pay the $5,000 bill. They refuse to take responsibility, Anne says. If it were me, I would feel responsible. It's similar to if I loan you my car and you get into an accident. You or your insurance is going to pay for the damage. Paula says her horrifying ordeal started as a nail trim at the vet. My cat got spooked and started running around the clinic, climbing the walls to find a way out, Paula says. Unfortunately, he found his way out of an open window. He went through the screen. She bolted into action. I screamed like I've never screamed. I ran out of the office. But her cat was gone. Paula never stopped searching. After five months, someone finally found her cat. He was gravely ill, recovered, but now has ongoing health issues. Paula wants the vet clinic to pay for his medical bills. It breaks my heart we have to do this, she says. Your cat may need a lawyer for custody disputes and catnups. Stephen says he was able to show he was the best pet parent and had all the records to prove it. He won his custody dispute. The cats are my kids. I love them, he says. I'm lucky to have the money to pay for a pet lawyer. Animal attorneys say cat custody is one of the most frequent calls they get. People are emotionally invested, Jeremy says. They think they're the best owner and won't rest until the animal is back in their arms. To prevent disputes, some couples write pet nups. 
The agreements spell out custody, visitation, and financial support should they break up. The law and legal system are increasingly reflecting what many of us already know, that cats and other companion animals are members of our families, says Christina Stella, an attorney with the Animal Legal Defense Fund. When partners dispute who should take custody of a cat during a breakup or divorce, courts can consider which partner is better able to provide for the cat's overall well-being beyond just who paid for them or their expenses. Growth of animal law. Experts say the expansion of animal law is reflective of people's devotion to their pets. Owners are paying new breeds of attorneys, trained to take on tough cases. The growth has been exponential, especially in the last decade, says Professor Kathy Hessler, director of the Animal Law Clinic at Lewis and Clark Law School. In 2008, we were the only animal program at a law school, and now there's maybe a dozen in the United States. Animal-related lawsuits are now appearing in courtrooms across the country. Attorney Thompson Page, co-founder of the Center for Animal Litigation, says each time a lawyer wins a case, it helps create precedents and advance animal law. There's a growing awareness of the value of these animals in the law, but the law has to catch up to the point that animal owners and the animals are recognized with rights and protections, he says. Some states will appoint cat lawyers. Some states are recognizing animals' rights. For example, in 2016, Connecticut passed groundbreaking legislation that allows courts to appoint attorneys as pro bono advocates for animals, usually cats and dogs, in abuse cases. It's known as Desmond's Law, named after a dog, Desmond, who was brutally killed by his owner. Many Connecticut voters felt the judge in the case did not properly assess the seriousness of the crime because there was no one in court to advocate for the victim. The state's legislature agreed. Abused animals now have a voice in legal proceedings. Attorney Ken Bernhard has served as an advocate in four cruelty cases. After each defendant was found guilty, Ken assisted the court in assessing an appropriate sentence. Abuse in any form should be discouraged, criminalized, and punished, he said. People who perpetrate cruelty are criminals. Their victims deserve to be heard, even those who cannot speak for themselves. Cat bites. While cases don't usually make headlines, when cats injure people, their owners can be held responsible. Cat bites differ from dog bites in several significant ways, but still occasionally need a lawyer to get them out of trouble, attorney David Reicher says. In one of David's cases, the resident cat scratched a baby's eye while the child was visiting. Neither the cat's owners nor the child's parents saw exactly what happened. There were no special damages, disfigurement, or permanent eye loss to the baby, David says. There were significant medical bills and the contributory negligence of the parents to care for the baby and the cat owner to watch over the cat were all relevant factors. The case was settled for the cost of the medical bills. Less cat capers? Attorneys say cats appear to get into less trouble than dogs. Communities usually have fewer regulations about cats. You don't hear about cat leash laws dangerous cat hearings, or law-breaking felines. 
If cats do pull off a caper, they're better at the gateway, Jeremy says. Maybe it's because a cat is great at running away fast and hiding, and dogs are more visible. That will do it for this week. I'm your host, Mary DeFranco. I hope you enjoyed the program. Thank you for listening. Please join me next time, and don't forget, please spay and neuter your pets. It's healthy for them and the environment.